0: So, I'm excited for this fall's series that we're going to be talking about. Um, each week, as we uh, come up to Shig, we are going to be asking a big question about God. And we are hoping to answer that question or point you into the direction of answering that question. And here's the reality all of us have questions about God, all of us are at that age where. Um, maybe what our parents have been telling us our whole lives isn't, isn't cutting it anymore. And we're starting to ask, why do I believe the things that I believe? Why, why is it that people go to church every Sunday morning and worship God? Why do people give money to, to the church? Like, why, why, why do people sing songs and worship? Why, why, is, why are people reading and memorizing words that were written thousands of years ago? These are all really, really good questions to ask. And what I want to kick off by saying is all the information that we get about God, for the most part, is found in Scripture, is found in the Bible. And, and what's crazy about the Bible is the Bible is full of people, authors, writers, who had questions about God themselves. One of the biggest books in all the Bible, the book of Psalms, if you, were to, if you had a Bible with you right now and you opened up halfway through, you'd probably be in the book of Psalms. There's like, it's like 150 poems to God. And a lot of them ask really hard questions to God. The reason I'm telling you these things is because questions are part of our journey. and It's a part of our relationship with God. And so this this fall, we are going to be asking hard questions about God. We have a big God. We have a great God. A God I think you should worship. A God I want your friends to know about. A God that has changed my life um, and has given me a purpose in my life. And, and I think he's worthy of asking these questions. He's worthy of finding these answers. And I'm excited to go on this journey with you and answer a lot of these questions. But before we can even really get in and tackle some of the hard questions, we need to kind of have a baseline. So tonight, this is kind of a, kind of a lame question to kind of kick off big questions about God. But the question we're going to answer is, who is God? Because my hope is we can lay the groundwork tonight about who the God is that we worship, who this God is that we're asking all these questions to. That way, when we are asking harder questions throughout the fall, we can point back to this talk and remember the things that we learned tonight. And so I have five attributes or five statements about God that I want us to get. That way we can move forward in this series and in the fall. So, point number one. Attribute number one. God is our creator. You guys can see there, all caps. All caps. It's a stylistic choice by me. And the reason why is I want to emphasize a very specific part, an aspect of God's creation. If you guys were to open up to page one of the Bible, it's Genesis chapter one. It's talking about how we have a God who created all that we know, all that we think, experience, can touch and see and taste and smell. All of those things were created by God in Genesis chapter one. And we, we find out right away that there wasn't anything There wasn't anything at all, just God, right? He's timeless, he's beyond time. And just with words from his mouth, he creates the cosmos, right? This this incredibly huge and powerful God, a God that doesn't have limits. The book of Ephesians tells us that um, he can do all that we can think or imagine and so much more. So like a little thought experiment here. There's a lot of people here tonight, which is great. If we all were to just spend the next week just thinking about all the things that God can do and, and all of his limits, or, or, or all of his unlimits, right? All of his attributes. We, if, if we, that's all, all we did. We eat, drink, and just think about God and all the things that he could do. We wouldn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the things that our God can do. And that's because he's a big God. He is an all-caps creator of our universe, and he's ginormous. And Genesis 1 tells us that right off the bat. Point number two, we're going we're gonna to turn the page to Genesis chapter 2, And it's this, God is our creator. And um, one thing that didn't get translated here is imagine that our creator is italicized, right? Because Genesis chapter two goes on to explain what, what God does and how he creates man. So we get the same God, the same big God who speaks the cosmos into order. And then in Genesis chapter two, we see how man's created. And pretty much God takes this, Plop of dirt, he forms it, and then he breathes life into the dirt, and that's man. Right? He gets so close to us that he breathes life into us and that's how we are known. Think about how close you need to be to someone to feel their breath. Right? Like think about somebody with bad breath. If you know they have bad breath, like if, if I were to tell you I didn't brush my teeth this morning, you would know the distance to stay away from me, right? Like you're not getting you're not getting too close to me, and rightfully so, you should stick away from me. I have bad breath. But think about how close you need to be to feel someone's breath. That's the creation account of man. That's the creation account of you and me. God gets close and personal and breathes life into us. The, now the air that we breathe is God's air because he, he gave it to us. He gave us that breath. See, the God who created us knows us intimately, is so close to us that we can feel his breath on us. He wrote the owner's manual of, of, of what your life should look like. Right? He, he knows what's best for you and the path that you should walk. Right? He knows your strengths, your weaknesses, what makes you upset. He knows that you get a little bit hangry if you miss lunch. Right? He knows all the, your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets, and he still loves you because of it. So I wanted to point out right away that these two attributes, just from reading the first two pages of the Bible, tell us that we have a ginormous God without limits, who's all-powerful, who speaks everything we know into order, into motion, but that same God, is also a God who's so close to us that we can feel his breath, who breathed life into us, and who knows us, and who wants us to come closer to him. Point three, God's love is steadfast for us. I'm going to unpack this one. In order to do that, I need to go to the book of Exodus. Now, if you guys have been coming to church on Sundays, every Sunday morning through the fall, we're going to be going through the book of Exodus. Incredible book. I would really encourage you to to come and watch it live at any of our campuses, or just if you miss a sermon, go on YouTube and listen to it. We're doing a really good job of covering what that, what that book has in store, and a lot of it is about God revealing himself to us. And there's a specific passage later on in the book of Exodus, spoiler alert, Exodus chapter 33 and 34, where Moses is interacting with God. He's on top of Mount Sinai, and he asks him, God, can I, can I see you? Like, can, I, can I look upon you? I've been talking with you. I've been getting to know you, but I want to look at you and see you. And God quickly responds and goes, this is the same God, the all-cap creator, right? Like, you can't gaze upon my glory. No man can do that and live, right? But then they come to a solution a chapter later, and God says, hey, I'm going to give you these tablets, and then I'm going to leave this mountain. Our conversation is going to be over, and you're going to see me pass by. And so sure enough, Moses leaves the, leaves the mountain with the tablets. He looks up and he sees God's glory pass by the mountain. And as this happens, God says this about himself. God starts to explain himself. Now before we read what God says, think about that. Right? Like God is explaining who he is. This guy who has endless attributes, who is more powerful than all of us can think or imagine, right? he's about to tell Moses who he is. What would you say? what, What are the sentences that you would say? How would you explain yourself? This is what God says to Moses. This is Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will be no means clear the guilt who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God has this opportunity to give his own description of who he is. And like I've already talked about scripture, right? It's full of people explaining who God is. There are only a few portions though, especially in the Old Testament, where we get, where we get God's words. And this is like the first time he's really explaining it. And the virtue that he really kind of hammers in is this idea of a steadfast love for his people. He created us, he breathed life into us, he knows us, but he also loves us. A steadfast love, meaning that it's not going away, it's a consistent, loyal love that's full of grace and mercy. It's a very, very dense word that is flooded throughout all of the Old Testament. We have to remember that the Old Testament's written in an ancient language that, that we don't understand, right? And it, it's, it's this word that is used all throughout the Old Testament, but the best translation that we can really find for it is this idea of a love that persists, a love that is steadfast, a love that doesn't just turn its back on us after we re- rebel against it or, or fail it, right? Like A love that will stay there and remain with us, a love that we can count on. These are the words that God uses to describe himself. So it'd be a shame if I were to answer the question, who is God, and not talk about this this, this virtue of who God is. The idea that he has a love for us. Paul goes on to later write in the the New Testament that the love that God has for us is one that no man can, can separate us from. Right? No powers of, of the demons or of the angels, no, no natural disaster. Nothing can happen in our lives that can, make us, that can separate us from this love of God. And remember, this is the God who also created us, the all-caps creator. He's all-powerful, and he's chosen us. He loves us, and he wants us to draw near to him. Okay, so now at this point, we're three points deep. Two of them were the same thing. And one of them is this idea of, of love. I haven't really given you a good picture, though, of, of who this God really is. And so this next point shows us how God reveals his love to us. And so the next point is God's character is revealed through Jesus. And so Second Corinthians 4, 6 tells us, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the lights of the knowledge of the glory of God In the face of Jesus Christ. Now remember, in the book of Exodus, right, Moses asks to see God and he's unable to do that. But now in the New Testament, because of Jesus, because of like Christmas, right, we celebrate baby Jesus coming, which is a really cool story of a manger. But the main reason we're celebrating that is because that God of the universe humbles himself to the point of being this tiny little baby so that he can go on to change the world and and, and save us, save our lives. And so we have the Gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that give us a clear picture of who this God is and how amazing Jesus is because he's fully man, right? He was birthed by Mary, he has feelings, he dies, right? But he's also fully God. He's also that God that created us. And so Colossians 1.15 tells us this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That same God who Moses couldn't gaze upon at Mount Sinai is Jesus in the flesh. We have the power to experience him and get to know him. And so all the New Testament is really kind of, and actually all Scripture is pointing to Jesus, but, but all of Scripture is really looking at Jesus, right? The Old Testament is looking forward to him. The Gospels are centered around him. And then, the new, and then the rest of the New Testament is kind of looking back at Jesus because of these verses telling us that he is the clear image of God. Now, if you study Jesus' life, we all know how his life ends, right? It ends with him laying his life over for us on a cross, dying a death that he doesn't deserve for a people that rebelled against him, right? As he's dying, he looks up to the sky and he says, Lord, forgive them for, for they don't know what they're doing, right? That, that steadfast love pours out of him again. He has this love for a people that are that are giving him this brutal death. And he does all of this so that we can know him, so that we can know the God who created us, the, the powerful God. And that's, that's the story. That's Jesus' story and that's God's story that, that we talk about and we sing songs about. Riley did a great little prep of what, the, what a beautiful name God's name is, right? And it's all centered around what Jesus did in the Gospels. Which brings me to my final point about God, which is this. God dwells within his followers and helps in areas of weakness. So once we recognize who God is, who the, the clear image of God is through Jesus, we have an opportunity to make a decision to follow him. We have an opportunity to recognize the work that he's done for us on the cross. And when we believe that that this Jesus was both man and God, and that he died for our sins, he he paid a debt that we couldn't pay on our own, we have an opportunity to now be a dwelling place for this God, for this God that breathed life into us and and created the world. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you. Paul is talking to people here that have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. When we recognize the work that Jesus has done on the cross and we subscribe to it and we follow it and we we allow it to change our lives, we receive the Spirit of God in our lives. We become a temple. And then Romans 8.26 goes on to say, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So what ultimately happens here is we, when we recognize who Jesus is and we follow him, we become a Christian, we receive his spirit, and then his spirit goes on to do a good work in our lives. It changes us from the inside out. It gets us to a point to where we don't even have to articulate the words of prayers because God can, or the Holy Spirit can intercede the groanings that we have in our lives and bring that to God the Father, bring that to our Creator. And we can have this beautiful relationship where our weaknesses become strengths through, through the power of Jesus. Those are the five attributes that I really want us to get as we go along and tackle these big questions about God. That God is our big creator. And he is a creator that, that knows us intimately. And that he has a steadfast love for us. That brings him to the point of dying for us on a cross. And it brings him to a point of sending a son who is a perfect image of who God is. Also that we can have him dwelling within us and making us strong in areas that are weak. It's a beautiful story. And those are five key attributes to who God is. And so as we're kind of closing, I want to ask a question. What are we supposed to do when we have a big question about God? This is... Like, we could do a whole series defining who God is. And we could spend a whole fall, we could spend a whole year explaining who God is. I, I'm trying to do it in like 20 minutes. I'm, I'm going to miss a lot of things. But one thing that's definitely going to come up, especially as we, as we cover the series, is we are going to have big questions about God. And so as we do that, I, I have a few things that I want us to do. For starters, I want us to remember this talk. Maybe some of you wrote some of this stuff down. We'll talk about it in small groups I want you to remember these attributes about God. That way, when you you have a question about him, you can remember that he's a God that is full of the steadfast love for us, right? That that truly does love us, who knows us. That's important to have, to, to, to fall back on. The second thing I want us to do when we have a big question about God is talk to somebody. Now, Shig, there's a ton of people in this room that are probably like-minded, right, that, that, that are your friends. You have small group leaders that are, like I said before, world-class. They are the best in the business. You have a lot of people in this room that are willing to talk with you and unpack these questions with you. And I encourage you to do that, to ask these questions. Talk to somebody about it. Which leads me to my next point. Come to Shig, because we're going to be unpacking these questions. And whether you like it or not, you're going to come across... Big questions about God. And we want you to to be able to tackle those things in safe places. We want you to have people in your lives that can help you wrestle through these questions. I also would encourage you, too, to come to church on Sunday mornings. I mentioned that we're going through the book of Exodus. Exodus, if I could use maybe one word to explain what what God is doing there, it's, it's probably revealing like he's revealing himself. He's, that's the big statement where he goes, I am the I am. And then he has that, that text in Exodus 34 where he gives these attributes about himself. The people of Israel quickly see who this God is, right? And it starts this journey for them that's, that's incredible. A big theme in the book of Exodus is God revealing himself. To his people, And that's a prayer that I have for everybody in this room, that, that God would reveal himself to you in your lives. He would meet you where you're at and interact with you and go on to shape and change your life. So if you come to Shig, you'll have people that are also asking these questions. You'll have leaders that, that are working with you through it. You'll have people like me that care about you and are praying for you and want to be a part of this journey with you. And if you come to church, you'll have the benefit of going through this really awesome book that also has incredible stories, too, by the way. Like, just, you, if you come to church on Sunday mornings, you'll also have that aspect, too. So remember these attributes about God. Talk to somebody. Come to, come to Shig. And then the next one, this one's kind of cheesy, but read the Bible, right? Read the Bible. Read the book of Exodus. You'll see how God reveals himself. Read the gospel. You'll see how Jesus interacts with people. You'll learn that he came down to die for us, but he also, while he was doing that, he was serving us, he was teaching us, he was performing these, these incredible miracles, all with the hopes that you would, you would have a relationship with him. And if you read the Bible, you'll get, to, you'll, you'll get to flesh out these attributes of God, and you'll see that that steadfast love that he has is, is truly one that you can count on, that won't fail you. And then when you read the Bible, you can talk to people about what you're reading. There's a theme here. I want you to not just do this journey on your own. I want you to talk to people. I want you to talk to people that maybe are a couple steps ahead of you in their faith journey. I want you to talk to people that maybe are a couple years older than you, that can give you some wisdom. Because here's, here's the bottom line, too. I still have big questions about God. We all still have big questions about God. I want to tell you about this guy. Who um, was around in like around like 300 A.D. His name is it's either Augustine or Augustine, okay. And he's one of the first big like Bible scholars. Um, and we like people like the- theologians for the past centuries and millenniums have been reading this guy's work, right? But when he was younger, he grew up in a Christian family. But then he has this period of life where he's rebelling and he he's doubting. He has all these questions. About who God is, but then he has this moment where in in, in his life where he, he's in this garden, he's this wealthy man, and he and he starts to read scripture again, and he and he all of a sudden as he's opening up to I, well, I'm probably not opening. They probably didn't have books in 300 A.D. Maybe the scrolls. I don't know. They're, they're reading something right, and as he's reading the book of Romans, his life is changed because something that's really cool about the Bible is that it's a living document. It is it is the living words. Of God. And it has the power to change you and shape you. And that's what happens to Augustine. And he goes on to be this great theologian that shapes the, the, the church's mind and thought and theology for millenniums to come. And it all started with questions and doubts that he had. And as you go through history, some of the greatest minds have had very, very tough and hard questions about God. If you read scripture, you'll see that there are people, champions of the faith, that have deep and hard questions about who God is. And so my fifth and final point, after you read the Bible, I hope that we ask the question. I hope that we can understand that this God that we've talked about, who is limitless in his power, he's not afraid of the questions that you have. And chances are, the questions, the things that you're struggling with, probably someone that's, that's come along before you has struggled with these thoughts, with these questions. And probably people in this room are struggling with those thoughts and questions that you have. And so what I, what I don't want for anyone to do in this room, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, I don't want anyone to just have a question about God and not ask it. Not ask it to, to their peers, not ask it to God himself, not ask it to me. Bring God, bring to God your questions. He's, he's, not, he's not afraid of them. He's not too small for them. Chances are we can help you find an answer to that. And so that's my prayer for us as we, as we close out today and as we have this plane lift off into these big questions about God, that we can fall back and know that we have a God who's created us, who loves us, who is, who is revealed through his son and has the opportunity to, to, be, to dwell in us and change and shape our lives. He's done that in my life, and I, my prayer and hope is that he does that in all of your lives as well. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I'll give you some instructions.